Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the dynamic duo is back together. And by that, I mean Jonathan Kovacevic and Michael Pazetta in a shootout win over the Buffalo Sabres. Laura and I have your game recap and so much more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 812 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every day. Thank you so much for subscribing wherever you get your daily podcasts. And if you're subscribed on YouTube, thank you so much. Ring the bell to get notified every time we go live. I'm probably going to be eating a hat, apparently, in the near future, and more on that in today's show. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Mella, and I'm joined... Once again, after a long time away on a well-deserved vacation by my fantastic co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, the Montreal Canadiens did two very important things tonight. They went to overtime to make our lives miserable, and then they won in the funniest way possible in your return (laughs) game. Welcome back. Everyone here has missed you so, so much. Uh, thank you so much. I just really want to quickly shout out Kevin's daughter and say hi to her. I'm back. Um, I'm really happy to be back. I missed enough things where, you know, I was on the other side of the world with a time change. So I missed enough things where I'm going to have a really easy time catching or hard time catching up on all of the goings on. So at this point, if you told me something happened while I was away to the Habs or any team in the NHL, I would probably believe you. So Scott, there's a small window of time with which you can have fun with that. But in the meantime, Michael Pozzetta, shootout winner. Yeah, see, here's the thing. If you didn't help recap this game tonight due to jet lag recovery and everything, I could have texted you that Jonathan Kovacevic and Michael Pozzetta shot back-to-back in the shootout, and the Canadians won. And you probably would have asked me had I been drinking or had how many energy drinks I had had today. And I, I wouldn't have would blamed have you at all. You. I would not have believed I don't you. believe just... it. <laughs> we saw it with our own eyes. And yes. it was it's really funny, though. You have to admit that it is really funny from the standpoint of anybody who is sick of the Buffalo Sabres and hates playing them. Um, anybody who is a Habs fan and likes joy, anybody who loves Michael Pozzetta, and literally anyone who likes the hockey gods. Yeah, like, I had a plan to kind of go over this game a little bit in depth, and maybe we will here, but this shootout, Nick Suzuki, makes sense. Jonathan Drouin, makes sense. Mike Matheson, little bit of a changeup, makes sense. Jesse Alonin, makes sense. Scored a goal, good for him. And then Martin Saint we went, this is taking too long, and throws Jonathan Kovacevic over the boards, <laughs> to which he almost scores, because it, I don't know what in the hell he was doing, but he almost scored on it. And then he gets stopped, and then over the boards, they're like, here's another surprise. I'm like, it's got to be David Savard, right? And lo and behold, is it not Michael Pazetta? No nonsense. No sauce. No sizzle. 
No, no deception about what this man is going to do. So he takes off mullet flowing in the Buffalo breeze down the wing and blasts one by Eric Comrie shootout winner. And then he turns and on the left side of the arena, there where all the Habs fans are against the glass. He pulls out the Tiger Williams celebration and starts giving them the finger guns and everything down the side before going to celebrate with his teammates. It was one of the dumbest things I have ever seen, (laughs) and I want to relive it in the moment. I passed up tickets to go to this game because I was so sure they were going to lose that I'm like, I can save myself 40 bucks on beer money and watch this on my couch next to my dog and still get the same experience of misery. And the Habs decided to be like, what if we're just exciting now? And they were. They deserved to win this game. I know the tank and this and that and everything. The Canadians, after a slower start, were so much better than the Sabres that this game should have ended in regulation or in not in three-on-three overtime. A fantastic showing from the team. Unfortunate from the tank results, but I don't know how you argue with it when all anyone's talking about on Twitter right now is how much that game actually ruled. Like... Well, that's the thing, too, is that, you know, when the game started, it was pretty slow. And then I would say by, I think it was early in the second period, I texted you asking you, like, is it just me or is this game not boring? Because (laughs) I'm used to Habs Buffalo games just being soul crushing, just really boring and then a loss. So this was... A, much less boring than usual. I wouldn't call it a good game. Like, it's two bad teams playing. And sometimes that's really fun. Like, there was, like, end-to-end hockey. There were rushes. You know, there was sustained pressure in the offensive zone. There was really hilarious defensive gas by <laughs> both teams. I just, I thought it was really, you know, it was, it was a really fun game. And, uh, you know, I will, uh, Scott, you can attest to this this morning. When I was like, oh, no, there's a Buffalo game on a Monday night and I'm jet lagged. Like, this is just I don't want I don't want to do this. Like, I don't can I get an extra day of vacation? But, you know, it was fun game. And I think, you know, obviously for <laughs> it would have been better if they lost. But like, I, I can't I it's it's so funny. Like Michael Pizzetta beat the <laughs> Buffalo Sabres in a shootout. Like, in a shootout. I'm going to read some stats for you here. Not counting overtime. Canadians controlled 53.85% of the shots at five on five, had more shots forward five on five, had more scoring chances for 27 to 17, doubled the Sabres in high danger chances at five on five, 68%, and had 3.15 expected goals to 1.57s for the Sabres. The Canadians in this game, particularly after they let in that second goal, where Paterka, I think, pretty sure just roofed one on Jake Allen, the Canadians just went nah and just put their foot down. And it was a full team effort. I we talk I've talked a lot about how good Mike Matheson has been. This was a team effort all the way through and into overtime. And they play tomorrow too. Like it was a grueling effort. They're probably gonna come out and look like absolute dookie against the Flyers, which is fine because the Flyers going on a heater is good for the Canadians tanking odds here. But honestly. If you're going to win a game, win a game you deserve to win. Don't win a game that you fluke your way into winning. They deserve to win the Columbus game. Yes, they probably didn't deserve to win that Pittsburgh game a few weeks ago. They probably didn't, you know, deserve this, deserve that, whatever. They deserve to win this one. And they played well against Boston. 
and they played well against Columbus, and they played well in this game. Consistent effort builds good habits. I know we're gonna everyone's gonna be like, well, they're pulling farther away from Anaheim, et cetera, et cetera. It is what it is. At this point, just start researching five, six, seven draft picks instead of three and four. It's it's the matter of fact that they're building these strong habits and a winning culture that, yes, we all want Connor Bedard. But if you can build a solid base here, you have the opportunity to bring in a Will Smith, a uh, Mitch Cobb, if they fall that far in the draft. And they can surround them with good talent, including a very familiar name has once again hit the rumor wire around the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to talk about who that is and why it's important to the Canadians. And that's all coming up next. But first, the NCAA tournament is heating up and you need to get in on the action at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And that's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up today and claim your no-sweat first bet. You can wager on everything from money line, threes drained to point scores, combine them all in the same game parlay to increase your winnings, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. All you got to do to claim your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets is go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. And remember, make every moment more with FanDuel. As always, please, please gamble responsibly. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. We are having a great time. The active stick is back, which means my brand of chaos has finally been reined in ever so slightly. And then the Montreal Canadiens decided, no, 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 no. One more. One more game of chaos. And they gave it to us in the best way. And to increase the chaos even more, we have off-season trade rumors starting in March Involving a team that is going to the playoffs. Why? Because Montreal Canadiens apparently are still in on Pierre-Luc Dubois. And according to Elliot Friedman, there's like a 95% chance of him joining the team this summer. That comes from 32 Thoughts, the podcast. And Laura, I feel like we were talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois when you left for vacation. And now he's coming. you've come back and we're still talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's Thanos. He is inevitable. inevitable. <laughs> He's absolutely inevitable at this point, right? Like we're going to watch me eat a hat on this podcast because Pierre-Luc Dubois feels like he's going to be a Montreal Canadian at this point. All right. Real quick. Can you remind the listeners uh, why no. you eat that? No, you no. have to. I'm sorry. You have to. Um, I, I know you, you told us, I don't, I don't know if you've told all the listeners. Scott, so... why will you need to eat a hat? So I was on the sick podcast with Matt O'Hayan and we, uh, it came around that Pierre-Luc Dubois came up in the topic of conversation. And I said, if he is on this roster before regular training camp starts in September, I think it is sometime in there. If he is on this roster, he, if he is a Montreal Canadian before the first day of training camp, I will eat a hat because I keep thinking this is the Yaromir Yager situation the no Yager's the best example I have of this that oh they're in on him they're in on him and then he goes somewhere else oh they're in on him they're in on him prime destination goes somewhere else it feels more and more like an inevitability at this point and now the big question is if the Montreal Canadiens win a top three spot in this draft lottery and assuming that goes Bedard Fantilli 
uh, Carlson, three centers, including the two they have now, plus Jake Evans, plus whoever they're adding, plus guys like Owen Beck coming up. Where do you put Pierre-Luc Dubois as a center or, or do you start shifting other pieces around? Like Nick Suzuki's your one C and you know Kirby Doc is a good NHL center. Where do you fit Dubois? Because you're not going to pay a guy that much to be your third line center. That feels like a waste of either we have the most obscenely deep roster in the NHL, not likely, or something else. And I'm trying to picture it, but I'm like, did they just move Doc back to the wing? Do they move one of the prospects to the wing? What do you do? Because let's say they land Connor Bedard. You don't move him from being center where he's played. I'm just very curious with how Pierre-Luc Dubois fits into this long-term plan here. This isn't saying I don't want him, but what do you do down the middle when you have too many cooks down the center of the ice at this point? Okay, so here's my big thing, is that Elliot Friedman is very well connected, um, and all of his educated guesses are extremely educated is how I'll put it but he said 95% so I think that that 95% is actually literally based on whether or not the Canadians get into the top three and get a center I think that 5% is that chance that 5% no so like if they do get a center then forget PLD if they don't get a center they're going to continue to kick the tires on him I think the big thing with Pierre-Luc Dubois is that he wants to come to Montreal, but you don't always get what you want. And honestly, like depending on how Winnipeg does, he might want to stick around. Like he's not happy there. He wasn't happy in Columbus. Like, is this like, is this just a thing where like he always wanted to play in Montreal and it's not happening and he just wants to make it happen? Or is it just overblown how quote unquote unhappy he is in places? Like, is this, you know, we talked a lot about his agent talking like a lot and leaking a lot. And this could be another thing where his agent was talking to an insider being like, yeah, 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 Montreal, trying to make something else happen. Like you mentioned Yager. Like, that would not be the only, you know, at some point, big name, either trade ticket or or big name free agent that gets associated with Montreal to drum up interest from elsewhere. Um, I just, I, I think that, I understand like Elliot Friedman is an extremely respected insider. I don't doubt his sources for a second. I doubt their motivations for talking to him. And I honestly, like, I think if they, if they do get PLD, it'll be because they didn't get a center in the draft. And it'll be because they think that having Kirby doc being able to play both center and wing is going to be a benefit to them. So like, he's going to be the guy that they play on the wing, except when one of the centers are injured and he is a very serviceable center. Like I just, in my mind, I just don't feel like they need to give up assets to get PLD. And I guess that's my question here is what do you give up for Pierre-Luc Dubois? Because everyone's saying Florida's first round pick, a, a contract like Anderson to make the money work. And then you give up a prospect, a Riley kidney, a, a Joshua, Logan, Mayu type prospect, a high end prospect in this system to make it work. And my thought is why it's I can understand necessary. like a first, a first round pick and a roster player actually makes sense for me because you got to make the money work here. You don't have the leverage in this situation because here's the thing. He's a UFA after next season. 
If he wants to go, he's just going to walk and you're going to get nothing. If, if his mind's made up, it, it draws a little bit of a parallel to the whole Aaron Rodgers to the Jets things without ayahuasca and me being extremely sad about it all the time. But you don't have to give up a lot for a piece that you can get at some point anyways. And if the Canadians, like Kent Hughes said, are two to three years away from pushing through that fa- first phase of the rebuild there, that fits their timeline. And don't surrender pieces just because, ooh, shiny right now. Don't get me wrong. If you can get Pierre-Luc Dubois for cheap, you absolutely do that because I don't think Kevin Chevaldeoff is a very good GM and you hold the cards. I it, Look, it's true. For God's sakes, like I, I, anyways, this is not locked on Jets. Harrison could talk all about that if he needs to. If the opportunity is there, take it. I don't feel the heavy need to pursue it at this exact moment, but if it gets towards draft day and let's say Florida miraculously makes the playoffs, it's out of the lottery there and they go, we want, and they do something similar to what they did with the Kirby doc trade. Yeah, you probably take that. You're getting a guy who could be a 70-point NHL center who wants to play in Montreal. And this is not Jonathan Drouin. This is not a guy who was made to play center. He is a center. And I think that helps out a lot there. It's curious to see how this goes, but we have to transition out of this for right now. And obviously, we will keep you in the know as the Pierre-Luc Dubois saga I, I, is it a saga? Is it like an epic at this point? Like, are we, how many chapters into this trilogy or like quadrilogy <laughs> or whatever are we? Are we in like, it's the one of those seven of book Star- series that doesn't, that doesn't end like, like the song of ice and fire or fire and ice or whatever it is. Oh God, it's Dune, but it's Pierre Luc Dubois. The <laughs> D in PLD stands for Dune now. So, <laughs> ay, ay, ay. We're going to move on. We do have some more prospect news, some goaltending news and everything after the Habs shootout win over the Sabres. And that's all coming up next. We are back here at Locked on Canadians. It is once again, the dynamic duo back in the co-pilot chairs here to give you the best Canadians podcast on the internet. This is more my wheelhouse. I kind of planned out the show and then filled in Laura after I had written everything because that is, uh, I've gotten very used to hosting and writing the show for myself that I'm like, this is how I do things. Not remembering that, wow, a man planning a podcast by himself, not including his co-host. Wow, what a surprise on the internet. But listen, his co-host is extremely (laughs) jet lagged. Okay. Nobody hold that against him. I'm just, I like my brain is mush right now. So I will be more focused tomorrow and I will be leading that show after the Flyers game. Well, here's the fun part now is the Canadians today. Uh, it was uh, Patrick Friolet from RDS. RDS pointed out that Caden Primo had already went to Philadelphia and he was going to meet the team there on Tuesday after they travel from Buffalo. And my first thought was, well, that's weird because Jake Allen's starting and Samuel Montembeau's on the bench. So, and then they announced that call up uh, just before the game, just before puck dropped to slide it right in there uh, a little bit to make sure no one noticed it. And my question is why, if both goalies are healthy at this point, something isn't adding up here. And then I believe it was in 32 thoughts. I don't have the source in front of me and it's so buried in the timeline and in my mentions at this point that I can't possibly find it on the show in any good time. But they mentioned that 
Sophomore Ohio State goalie Jakob Dobish, Habs draft pick, obviously. There's interest in potentially signing him to his entry-level contract uh, now that Ohio State has been eliminated from the Frozen Four tournament. And he's, so I'm actually going to bring up his stats here in the background. He is 21 years old, six foot four, 201 pounds. He's a 2020 uh, draft pick. He was playing. He played in the Czech Republic. Came over, played in the U.S. system, and played a couple years in the USHL when they drafted him, and then went to Ohio State, where last year he was 21, 12, and two with a 934. This year, 21, 16, and three, 918 save percentage with three shutouts. They clearly see something they like in him. And right now, they have enough goalies around the entire Canadian system. They have three in the NHL with Montembeau, Allen, and now Primo. In the AHL, they have called up Philip DeRosier to back up Kevin Poulin. In the AHL, Joe Verbatic is on family leave for the time being, but they have two options there as well. I'm not really sure what's going on with this Caden Primo recall. And my thought is they want to give him a shot to play some NHL games this year. And they might as well do it in front of family and friends in Philadelphia, I assume. But I do wonder if there is some smoke to the prospect signing. And Laura, I know you've been away for a little bit. Uh, In Primo's last nine games, he has like a 923 save percentage. He is the main reason the Rocket are even sniffing a potential playoff spot right now. I All of it is very confusing and I don't quite understand what their plan is with this right now. I personally feel like it's probably the just giving the prospect a chance. I don't even know if it's about Caden Primo playing NHL games, to be honest, although they should make him do that because they did say that, you know, they signed him to that or to that extension saying like this was his chance to prove himself. So like he does need to get NHL minutes in order to do that. But I do think that it is much, very much about uh, Dobish because the Canadians goaltending has been a question mark or the future of Canadians goaltending has been a question mark for two years now. Like what is this team going to do if they can put together a good set of skaters and they don't have a good goalie. So, and goalies take a while to develop. And I do feel that like, they do want to give him an opportunity if he's going to sign an NHL deal or his, his entry level deal. They want to start him up in the AHL, get him to give him some minutes and see what they've got in him because Personally, I don't think they're panicking about goaltending, but I definitely think that they're concerned about the future of this team's goaltending because I'm looking at these guys, you know, as much as I absolutely love Samuel Montembeau, as much as I love Jake Allen, you know, as much as I want Caden Primo to to reach the potential that he's touted, uh, that he's been, you know, that he's been much I guess, expected to reach at the NHL level. I want all of those things. I just think that if you're going to be a contending team, you can't just be a good deep team. Your goaltending needs to be absolutely solid. Like you've got to, like, I don't know who the next Vasilevsky is going to be. I know there's a couple of people knocking on his door right now in terms of being the best goaltender in the world. I don't necessarily think you need to have the best goaltender in the world, but you're not going to be a consistently year-in, year-out contending team without at least elite goaltending. And the Canadians need to get a move on and make some decisions and have some spark in their future. 
uh, in terms of that position. So I think that's what this is about, really. But it would absolutely not shock me if tomorrow we hear that, like, oh, Samuel Montembeau tweaked something or Jake Allen tweaked something else. And and that's the thing is, it's like, had they gone into this game and been like, Samuel Montembeau is, you know, injured, but he can't, he's not injured enough that he can't sit on the bench. Like, okay, but I'm sure there's cap reasons behind all this. It's, if he was sick, he wouldn't be there. He wouldn't be at the game. Like, there'd be no reason for that because you don't want to risk getting everyone else sick when they got to fly to Philadelphia or whatever. I'm glad you brought that up that I don't think they're panicking about goaltending, but they got to start finding that next tier. I think Samuel Montembeau is your starter next year. And my thought is at this point is they want to go Montembeau, Primo in the NHL. Jake Allen gets moved as potentially expected at some point in the offseason. In the AHL, you have a veteran goaltender, whether that's Kevin Poulin again or you find somebody else. And then you have one of Joe Verbatic or Jakob Dobish as the other goalie there. And the third one is playing in the AHL, splitting time with someone and developing. But they got to start finding people. Uh, Frederick Show, as Patrick pointed out, is not going to be here this upcoming year. He's signed for another year in Forlunda. And then he'll potentially be available to come over. The Canadians have to offer him a contract to extend his rights, I believe. But I wouldn't assume he's imminent coming over here. It's the only real murky area in the Canadians' depth chart. They have a billion forwards. They have a very young defense corps, most of which is hitting the professional ranks this year and next year. The one thing they don't really have is a goalie. Like it was carry price for so long that you didn't have to worry about it. You had to worry about finding a backup, but those used to be a dime a dozen. And now they don't. And now they're trying to play catch up on that. Emmett Croteau played very well in the USHL this year. He's going to Nebraska Omaha next year in the NCAA. I'm curious if this Dobish stuff turns out to be true because he's played well at Ohio state. Who's not a powerhouse team. They're a solid team, but not a powerhouse. And he's played well. I'm wondering what he does. Uh, if he is the option here and that's what they decide to do now that we've talked about it, just like the Sean Farrell episode I did, uh, they're going to sign him probably tomorrow, just, you know, and we'll have an episode on that when we uh, get back, which also I failed to mention this at any point in today's show, potential Sean Farrell NHL debut debut in Philadelphia. I would very much like that a whole bunch. Don't know who comes out of the lineup, but I imagine somebody might, We'll see Farrell get some reps in there and Laura. It's a, it's a great time to come back because we get to watch one of our favorite prospects potentially make their NHL debut against a team that is, uh, to put it lightly, poop most of the time. <laughs> so The Philadelphia poop. Um, I They did poop the beach that one time, so it's fine. They did. Um, I, I'm excited <laughs> about the... He, are we calling him now the small goals boy 2.0 are we calling it what are we he's calling small him? gold boy he's small gold boy harvard version harvard's okay. version um okay so that's what i'm going with um i think that's it we got anything else are we good to, what now i i said i think that's it like i think i think we can we can move on to the flyers game and hope that it's another hilarious game um it's a game against the flyers they're all hilarious they haven't <laughs> been the same since nick suzuki stole carter Hart's soul by patting him on the head good um, times i guess what we'll, we will they were times that's for sure we will wrap <laughs> this up 
You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick, and you can follow myself at Scott Matla. You can find us wherever you get your daily podcast. You can find us on YouTube as well. Just make sure you're subscribed and ring the bell to get notified whenever we post a new episode. And folks, we will see you all next time.